I know when you ask me about these injuries, and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me here. Did you miss me? Not really, right? Hi, it's Danny O'Neill. This is the Dang Apostrophe. Back from a little bit of a hiatus with a little bit of renewed vigor, some focus. A little bit of beef from Aaron Rodgers, but first, well, we got a little bit of excitement from the Seattle Mariners who refuse to get swept out of Seattle when it comes to the New York Yankees. Another look at second base. Now the pitch. Swing, line drive, right field. They should do it. Caballero's coming to third base, and he can crawl home. And Cal Raleigh wins it in the 10th inning. The Mariners take down the Yankees tonight in Seattle. Cal Raleigh, hero again, and the Mariners win this baby one nothing salvage a game in the series and then prevent the Yankees from sweeping here in Seattle for the first time since 2014 out of baby Cal Cal Raleigh with a I guess it does go down as a single down the right field line scoring Jose Caballero and the Mariners avoid the sweep they were outscored in those three games against the Yankees 20 to 7 but well they, they went one and two which is respectable I actually saw the Yankees on Sunday uh, they beat the San Diego Padres in what was a pretty exciting game. Yankees Stadium is a chore. Like, it is a full effort to get up there. We had a subway breakdown, had to get off the subway, get into cabs, wade through the line, and then watch what was, well, Aaron Judge homered in the second inning. I was in the concourse there, hadn't quite made it to the seats, and Judge kept walloping the Mariners through those first two games, but they rallied behind George Kirby's strong start. They win 1-0 in the 10th and end a homestand that was, well, by all measurements, really, really successful, even in spite of those two losses in the three games to the Yankees, however. Always helps when you play four against the Oakland A's. The main story I want to talk about today is grudges. Yes, grudges. I've spent a fair amount of the last year and a half dealing in one way or another with the topic of grudges, my tendency to hold them, how I use them in terms of compartmentalizing emotions, preventing closure. All of those things are kind of tied into some of the writing that I've been doing about me and about my family, my history, my relationship with my stepfather. But in general, it's come out in a couple different ways. The friction that I had at one point with Dave Mahler, Softy Mahler, that is, in my mind, completely smoothed over. Other issues that I've had, either with people I've encountered in my work or people that I've worked with and learning to process through that. I've learned that my tendency to hold grudges, perhaps not healthy, not the best way for me to do it, but there is a part of me, well, it's not even a small part, it's like a bigger part, a bigger part of me that kind of respects and admires the ability to properly hold a grudge. You know, I love my grudges. I tend to them like little pets. Never forgive, never forget. Those are from the HBO series Little Lies, or more recently with a little bit of pop culture reference. Is that what Vanderpump Rules is? Or is that just trash TV? I'm not sure. But uh, that is also something where we've seen the ability to, to perhaps hold a grudge. Do you want anything? For you to die. Well, that's inevitable. A little bit drastic there. And the topic of grudges brings me to Aaron Rodgers, who 
this week had a story in The Athletic in which he provided an interview to a reporter named Matt Schneidman, who I'm not familiar with the reporter at all. I know a lot of the reporters up in Green Bay. I'm not familiar with Matt at all. And this isn't anything about the story other than to say it includes what I consider to be one of the funniest quotes that I have ever come across in an athlete team breakup. Because in some respects, the Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers breakup is the slowest moving divorce that I've seen in professional sports. I mean, it's really gone on for three years. Aaron Rodgers has been very mad, somewhat understandably, since the Packers used a first-round draft choice to choose Jordan Love. That was 2020. That's three years ago. And over the course of those three seasons, he's won two MVP awards. The Packers have won 13 games in two different seasons. They've been to an NFC Championship game. They've been to the divisional round of the playoffs. Last year, they missed the playoffs, losing to the Detroit Lions in the final game of the regular season. They missed the playoffs. I believe that's the first time they've done that since 2018. In some respects, you can look at it and say the Packers said, well, we went NFC Championship game in 2019, NFC Championship game in 2020, divisional round of the playoffs, we lost 13 to 10 in 2021. Last year, we didn't make the playoffs. It's time to turn the page. Somewhat understandable conclusion. Aaron Rodgers, I can kind of understand his perspective of, hey, you guys have been waiting to do this ever since you drafted Jordan Love three years ago. But what I specifically enjoy about this is Rodgers' insistence upon getting the last word, that he is absolutely insistent upon getting the last word. And specifically what he's upset about is that Brian Gutekunst who is the Packers general manager, had indicated to reporters back at the end of March that, look, I couldn't get in touch with Aaron. I couldn't talk to him. Over the offseason, we got to the end of the year. We were going to talk through different things. I never heard from him. I never heard from him at all. And I had to make decisions about what we were going to do. And Roger's point is, hey, You're telling me you dumped me because I didn't call you back enough? This is a quote from the story in The Athletic. Did Brian text me more than I texted him? Yeah. But did I ghost him? No. (laughs) It's like 20-year-olds arguing over who broke up with who. How, how, what actually was the precipitating incident? It's clear these two sides did not like each other anymore. And that between the two... Rodgers was the one who was less flexible, which I'm not blaming him for. He has every right to be mad and to drag his feet. But I also kind of understand Gutekind's point is like, look, dude, we made a decision about the quarterback and you you played your ass off. You you won two straight MVP awards. We gave you an extension last year and you, you won't return my phone calls. What am I supposed to do? The the quote about texting him and ghosting continues. This is Rogers. You're going to stand on this hill of austerity and say that arguably in the conversation of the best player in your franchise history, you're going to say, I couldn't get a hold of him. And that's why we had to move on. The hill of austerity, like this, the poetic nature with which he's willing or able to invoke 
the root of his grudge. And it really is just a funny story. And maybe one of the reasons that I'm so entertained by it, that I'm, that it's, I'm not saying he's right and I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm saying that I'm entertained is because it was so passive aggressive between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks last year. And it was so, I would even say that Pete was a little more revealing of his feelings than I expected him to be. Like that he, I, the comment about the wristbands, like I was like, wow, that, that seems a little out of character for Pete because Pete is pretty exclusively. Once a guy leaves, he doesn't say anything bad about him. And you could get the sense from some of the Seahawks is like, as Russell struggled, especially in Denver is like, okay, see, you see what we were able to do in this situation. It's not the easiest situation. It's not like we were screwing up a, a hand where we had four aces and we're discarding two of them. Took some work to have some success. And and maybe, maybe the fact that Denver's struggling the way it is and that Russell's not having as good shows what we actually did to help him. Because the whole offseason, and even after the trade, the reaction was Seattle, Seattle screwed up. Like you don't you you make it work with a quarterback that good. I, I don't care how much you have to placate him, play to his ego, modify your playbook. Hell, there were people that thought Seattle refusal to modify its playbook was some sort of organizational malpractice but all that was behind the scenes and really we know that Richard Sherman doesn't like Russell Wilson has anybody ever heard him publicly explain why like it's very rare that you have a person as prominent as Aaron Rodgers as willing to be as transparent and petty and petty as Rogers is. And it's really entertaining. It's really entertaining. The real quarterbacks of Manhattan, or maybe it's the Vanderpacker rules. I, I'm, I'm not even sure, but it's really funny. And in getting ready for this, I went back and looked at some of the things Rogers said and kind of pieced together the history because the draft happens in April 2020. And the initial reaction clearly is, oh man, the Packers, they just drafted Jordan Love at the end of the first round. They're clearly picking Rodgers' replacement. And then there's this added layer of, oh, that's kind of what happened with Rodgers and Favre, right? This is, that's really kind of what the Packers are just doing now, what they did then, which is choose a quarterback in the mid-20s to, to pick up to be the next version of this. And this is a clip from an interview. It was with Kyle Brandt. Um, Kyle Brandt, who's with the NFL Network. He now is what his job is now. He was doing a, it was a podcast with The Ringer called 10 Questions. And it was like a 70 minute interview with with Rogers and he's wearing Bose headphones and like the background uh, is because it's 2020 and we're all just getting used to Zoom. The background is set to some like outer space. I think the planet Earth is in his background. I don't believe he'd drink that Rogers had drank the Ayahuasca yet. He definitely had not done the Heidi Hole Darkness Retreat in Southern Oregon. But but for 70 minutes he talks about it. And there's just one section where they end up talking about the selection. And Rogers spells out how after the choice, he went to his pantry. He got some tequila, four fingers of tequila. He knew it was going to be a night of talking. He wasn't elated with the pick, but he understood it was a business. He realized what was being happening. 
But toward the end of what is what is a three-minute soliloquy, which there's no questions, it's just Rogers talking, he's explaining. He makes it very clear. Like he makes it very clear. And I would say that the feelings that Rogers expresses here three months after the trade are just as true and maybe even more true now than they were. Like the Packers, and he identified the GM, Brian Gutekunst is the one who did it, did something that in he was never going to get over. Like two MVP awards, a contract, he was never going to get over it. He was never going to get over it. Here is Roger's reaction. This is end of July 2020, about three months after the draft. As much as people want to make parallels to certain things, you know, in 2004, the Packers were uh, 10 and 6 and lost in the first round of the playoffs. We were 13 and 3. And, you know, one game from the Super Bowl, won a playoff game at home. Obviously, won our division. A little different uh, circumstance. Not to mention that Brett had talked about retiring for a few years before that. So, you know, I don't, and I've talked about playing in my 40s. So, I, you know, the, when people start talking about the parallels to this and that, well, I, you know, I fell to 24. Um, they traded up and, and drafted, um, drafted Jordan. So, no, I love my grudges. I tend to them like little pets. And he goes out in 2020 and has a great season. And there's really not a ton of pressure on the Packers to play Jordan Love. He's a rookie. He was drafted in the mid-20s. And what Aaron Rodgers makes clear that year is like, hey, you're not turning the page on me. He wins the MVP. And then that next offseason, he makes the Packers pay. There's a note, and it's not highlighted in this Ringer story. But what it echoes is very much what happened with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Is that after 2020... So in the early stages of the 2021 offseason, and the, the athletic story by Matt Schneidman makes it clear that this was a source within the organization that told him this, that David Dunn, who is Aaron Rodgers' agent, went to the Packers and said, hey, fire Gutekunst or trade Aaron. That sounds an awful lot like what we heard from an athletic story about the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, in which after the 2021 season, Russell Wilson, however he did it, communicated to ownership of like, hey, I'll stay as long as you turn over the guys at the top. And I don't know how that was communicated. And I'm not even sure that the athletic story spelled out how that was communicated, but I don't doubt that that sentiment was expressed, just like I don't doubt this story, I'm sh- I'm sure Rogers did. It was like, look, dude, I played my butt off, either him or me. We, none of that was reported. The first time, and I went back and looked this up yesterday. The first time that we heard about Rogers' unhappiness with the Packers was the day of the draft, the day of the draft, 2021, the Thursday of the draft, and it comes from someone who was a big source of news in the Russell Wilson and Seahawks tension, which is Adam Schefter. And what Schefter reported was he kind of, on that day of the draft, he had a tweet that said basically that the the, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, like Rodgers had communicated to some members of the Packers that he wanted to be traded. It wasn't saying he's requested a trade. It wasn't saying like all of these different things. Reigning MVP 
Aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled with the Green Bay Packers that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team, league and team sources told ESPN on Thursday. That's 3.30 p.m. April 29th. I don't know who told Schefter that. I could tell you who this helped, though. Aaron Rodgers. It helped Aaron Rodgers because not only does it overshadow anything that the Packers did in that draft, the dominant story becomes you've got a quarterback who hasn't requested a trade specifically, but he's made it pretty clear that like he is really unhappy and it's so unhappy that he's willing to, there are at least smoke signals going up and going out that a trade has been requested. And Brian Gutekunst is going to have to answer questions in front of reporters for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Look, in the offseason, you can go months without talking to the general manager. In some cases, you can go months in the regular season. But if, if this report happens on the Tuesday after the draft, Gutekinds can chill. He doesn't need to acknowledge it. There's not an actual trade request. But because it comes out on the Thursday of the draft, for three straight days, Gutekinds is going to have to be there. And it is, it, it, it's, it's clearly... So I don't know who told... After that, I do know who it helped. And the parallel that I'll draw is with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, there were very clear reports through Adam Schefter that were clearly to Russell Wilson's benefit. There was a story leading up to Russell's final home game of the 2021 season, kind of wondering is this is if this is it. Is this his last game in Seattle as a Seahawks quarterback? I know that the report of the trade, the initial report, which Schefter did break, was done at a time when, I, when, according to what I've heard from the team, where Wilson had gotten onto a plane so wasn't available to talk to anyone from the team and that it essentially broke in a, in a way that made the Seahawks certain that Russell's side of the negotiations had had told him what was happening. I don't know if that's true. I know that's what people with the Seahawks believe. And so it's really interesting to watch the power politics, how they play out, and how players do have an attempt to use leverage. And really, their only leverage is creating a little bit publicly compromising positions for the, the team employees. And I'm not saying they're wrong to do that. Like the entire power structure of the NFL is stilted in a way that benefits the teams from media availability, like all sorts of things. But it's interesting to watch that. And then when you get a player like Rogers, who is so, he's transparent. Like, I don't know if it's his desire to have the last word or it's just his desire to be right, but he makes it clear or someone makes it clear on his behalf, or Schefter just happens to find out at the most embarrassing moment for Sam Gutekunst, or for Brian Gutekunst, that the quarterback is is looking to potentially be traded. He's so unhappy. And then you don't hear from Rodgers again until what? And he shows up at training camp. And so this is July 2021. Rodgers is the reigning MVP, and he arrived at training camp. And He gave like a 17-minute press conference in which he enumerated a number of things that he was unhappy with. And 
it started with how veterans got treated kind of on their way out, sometimes not offered contracts. It included him offering to recruit potential free agents and not being taken up on that. And then in, in March, he addresses the idea that he was unhappy, that he had been unhappy the previous March with the team. And here's Roger's answer. If you can't commit to me past 2021, and I'm not a part of recruiting process and for agency, if I'm not a part of the future, then instead of letting me be a lame duck quarterback, if you want to make a change and move forward, then go ahead and do it. Um, that obviously didn't happen. He goes out and he wins another MVP award. There's a COVID shot that's mixed in there that he didn't take the vaccine. He led reporters to believe he was vaccinated. He misses the game. He goes on Pat McAfee. There's all sorts of things that happen that season, but he plays his butt off. Second straight year, he passes for more than 4,000 yards. Second straight year, he wins an MVP. I think it was like 26 touchdown passes, four picks in 2020. It's like 37 touchdown passes, four picks in 2021 and the following offseason he signs a contract extension and everybody says that hey this is this means everything's set he's gone to the other side he says he believes it means he'll retire a packer and then one year they have a disappointing result they don't make the playoffs that offseason i went and broke down the the timeline of this because it's funny too you get to the end february 7th rogers says on the pat mcafee show that He's, he's planned to have a decision about whether he would continue playing football after participating in something he referred to as a darkness retreat. Then we all have to figure out what a darkness retreat is. February 17th, Bob McGinn. He's a longtime Packers reporter. Now, he this was on a podcast from Going Long, which is Tyler Dunn's Substack. And Bob McGinn is, is a longtime... I mean, he is an authority when it comes to the Packers. He says in the podcast that... The Packers are fed up with him. They're done with it. They're moving on. This isn't a hard news report in the sense that the Packers have told Rodgers they're turning the page. This isn't a a quote from a team spokesman saying that they've decided to go in a different direction. It's a reporter's informed conclusion based on years of relationships and observation where he just says, look, they're done with him. That's February 17th. February 23rd. Roger's stay at the Sky Cave retreats in Southern Oregon ends. That was what the owner of the facility told ESPN. March 15th, 2023, we hear from Rogers. He tells McAfee he intends to play for the New York Jets in 2023. March 28th, Gutekunst is answering questions about Rogers' desire to be traded. He said he tried to reach Rogers, quote, many times, end quote, that it, quote, would have been nice, end quote, to speak directly with Rogers. And here's a full quote. I think I was really looking forward to the conversations with Aaron to see how he fit into that. Those never transpired, end quote. He's traded April 24th, 2023. Goes to the Jets. There'd been like a long, slow dance between the two teams. Essentially, the Packers move up two slots from 15 to 13 in the first round. The Jets slide back those two spots. The Packers get a second round pick in in this year's draft as well as a sixth-round pick. The, the Jets also got a fifth this year. And then there's a, there's a future pick. It's a second-rounder next year from the Jets to the Packers that upgrades to a first-rounder if Rodgers plays in 65% of the snaps. We don't hear anything until this interview with 
The Athletic, in which Rogers really just talks about the hill of austerity, the fact that, hey, I didn't return phone calls because I didn't like Gutekunst. Hey, he didn't call me that much as he thinks because everybody who knows me knows that when I'm on the West Coast, you have to FaceTime me. It's just hilarious. And in a world where everybody likes to hide their grudges, there's a part of me, and it might be a very small, dark part of me, that thoroughly enjoys the dirty laundry being aired when it comes to the NFL, it's four-time MVP, a guy who's won two of the past three MVPs, who's now with the New York Jets, and now we enter the best part of a grudge match, which is, let's see who's the most miserable this upcoming season. It was one of my favorite things last season. And again, that might not be a positive reflection on me. Might be a sign of just how small and petty I am. But one of the things that I enjoyed most about last season was watching to see who won the breakup between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. And clearly, so far, the Seahawks, I mean, are the hands-down winner. I, I, I don't see that changing. I have more to say about, about Russ and what I expect from him this upcoming season with Sean Payton in Denver. But honestly, I, I don't think it's going to be better for Russ. I think, there's, I think it's going to be worse, even if it's a little statistically better and the team's more successful. I, I think this is going to be a terrible match for him. I'm less sure about what's going to happen with Rodgers and the Packers. I would be surprised if Green Bay falls off a cliff. In fact, if you, if you ask me, like, I think the Packers are more likely, I think the Packers will make the playoffs. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Rodgers and the Jets. I'm really not. Because I could see a scenario where he comes in here and has, like, look, the guy's got it in him to clearly want to bury, not the Packers, but Gutekunst. And maybe that, he's held on to the fact that the San Francisco 49ers did not draft him in 2005. They chose Alex Smith at him. He's held on to that forever. And this is a three-year grudge that he's been holding, two MVP awards and an extension, really couldn't do anything to cover up the animosity he felt toward the Packers about that selection. And I'm not sure because I think that I think the Jets are pretty I think they're set up pretty well. He's got a really good young receiver in Garrett Wilson. They've got a really good defense. He's got a head coach in He's got a head coach in Robert Saleh who is not going to have an ego battle with him at all. Saleh's on the defensive side of the ball. There was always going to be tension between Rodgers and LaFleur. I mean, there was tension between Rodgers and McCarthy. He was always, there was always, he was going to be a difficult quarterback for any offensive-oriented head coach. I could see how it sets up pretty well. I can also see that maybe... Rodgers' play has declined because, like I said, you look at over the past three years and it's you can see a similar trajectory to what Wilson had with the Seahawks. Now, there's an injury with Wilson into his finger that was mixed in there that isn't there with Rodgers, but I'm going to be fascinated to watch how this grudge ends up playing out as We might not get the final resolution, but we're certainly, it's going to be one of the dominant storylines of this NFL season. 
It's great to talk to you all. I look forward to doing this a little more frequently going forward. You can also check out the Say Who, Say Pod podcast, which I do each week with Christian Capel. Read the dang apostrophe. And I've also got some other new projects that'll be coming up. You'll be able to check out on dannyoneal.com. It's Danny O'Neill. This is the dang apostrophe. Hanging around, hanging around. Kids got alligator blood. Can't get rid of him. I'm not going anywhere.